Hi everybody and welcome back to B2B Nav. Uh, we're going to dive straight into it this week and we are discussing the B word, budgets. So in the sense of, um, I, I want to kick off by saying we ob obviously have a lot of new clients, existing clients and, and prospects that come to us potentially with ideas of what they want to achieve, being that aspirational kind of objective, so results they expect. And then they say, and for that, we've got 50K. So um, I'm picking that number out of the air. And for some people, that might be a lot. The number's kind of an irrelevance yeah. here. But with a very fixed budget mindset is what I'm getting at versus also fixed objectives mm. and results that they want to get for it. And quite often they they aren't aligned and don't sit very well together. So kicking that as a, as a, as a starting point, I guess, as an agency, do we think we're better off pushing back on that? Are we better off just trying to accommodate what we can for that budget or... I think the challenge for me is always you get into a pitch process with this and you know other agencies will respond within that budget, mm. but they've no chance of hitting the objectives yeah, as an I example. The, so the balancing act, isn't it, of can you do something for an amount of money? Mm -hmm. Absolutely we can. Yeah. Will it achieve what you've asked us to? Mm -hmm. No, it won't. But mm -hmm. I think then you find a lot of agencies, and we've seen it in the pitch process, mm -hmm. will say that they can deliver the moon on a stick yeah. to win the business and they'll chase the revenue rather than the long-term relationship yeah i think it depends on the type of, of activity you're being asked to carry out as well is it a fixed project or is it something that should be more ongoing mm -hmm. uh, so campaign based or project based effectively because if it's if it's um project based and having a fixed budget probably makes more sense or yeah. at least mm -hmm. the, there's more of a place for it if it's campaign based then i would think in general it should be more based around what you're trying to achieve mm -hmm. and how do you go about doing that and what's the best use of your budget to achieve that but even on yeah. a project basis do you see it um I know the answer I'm asking it to you, but I mean, do you, do you see it in the sense of you, you get a brief through on a new project from a client? Are they talking about KPIs and ROI of what they want to see? Or, or is it just I've got 50K to launch a new product? And I want to do something. Yeah, I suppose it is, is more along those lines as opposed to being uh, kind of objective race. They just, it's more, this is the amount of money we have earmarked. And, and right. I guess from an agency point of view, we don't always know where that's coming from. We yep. can presume it's either the amount they have left yep. or the amount they have assigned to it or sometimes it's just what they think it is the value of that and they've mm. kind of plucked it out of the air yeah. I, don't know, I think it's, is it not human nature folk to always want a little bit more than you can afford whether it's a car a house a holiday yeah and you kind of see that behavior when you receive a brief or a rfp or whatever it might be i can't think of a time in 20 plus years of working in advertising where I've sat there, looked at something and gone, wow, they've really given us a lot to do with, a lot of money to do this project with, or we can really <laughs> achieve something. Yeah. I have never been on that end of the conversation. It's always been a case of, okay, which bit, what can't we do? And I think we're getting better here at VDB at saying, well, for that budget, we can't do that, or we can't do that, or we'll, we'll not put that in the proposal, rather than saying, right, what are we going to discount? I think a lot of it also ties back to the lead qualification side of things, which we definitely touched on in a previous podcast, but in the sense of why, like I said, why have they got that budget? Why has it been set at that level? Is it because they've done a campaign previously at that level where they were, thought it was really successful? Or is it quite often more the case that they've got a, a pot left over or... Um, yeah, if, it, if it is just an arbitrary cut of a bigger budget, so they've got 100,000 and it's 20 that they've carved out for that, why? So I think there's nothing wrong with pushing back on the client and re-educating them about what they do need to spend 
to achieve the results that they expect. But the gap for me quite often is they don't also know what results they expect. So they might yeah. say awareness, they want more awareness. But awareness. can you quantify that? Can you put some metrics How? against it? You know, is that yeah. leads generated? Is that visits? Is that impressions? Only and I were having a conversation around yeah. this a couple of days ago. Around what's it like? Is it dwell time? Is yeah. it emails? You've got to kind of be able to put a figure against it. Yeah. But quite, often you can, but quite often you can't. That's what I mean in, in reality. So we, we find out, you know, we do it regularly. We find ourselves in pitches where they they, they want to increase brand awareness. That's it. So we mm. pushed them down the route of saying, well, how? What's the metric? What's the arrow? You know, what, what are we going to put in place to measure that? But they don't, they're not really get that much consideration at that stage. So then... Mm. I think to some extent that comes down to the sophistication of the, of the marketing team itself. Okay. Um, in terms of knowing what they should be getting out of it and what they can get out of it versus like, oh, we know we know we want to be seen because that should result in us getting a higher market share. So it's just let's shout about what we do and why we're great at it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I guess, thinking a bit more strategically about you know, what you're trying to get out of it and then thinking a bit more detail about how you can measure that and then mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, well, what if we want to, if that's what we're going to measure, then what do we need to do? Then you can start talking about your budgets and how does that fit and what ROI should you be getting out of that yeah it obviously is a little bit harder to go down that route but I think what you get out of it at the end of it should be a lot more valuable then but where do you stand on the whole fact of because I, I buy into everything you just said there but where, where, where do we stand on okay so we have a client that comes with us and says okay well, I want a bronze silver gold approach or we have a tier one tier two tier three type proposal situation this is happen quite yeah. a lot I would say we see more and more of this they've given us three price points and three options Still, they've not mentioned what results they want yeah. or what what uh, what their expectations are around that. There's our we have to be responsible is from the agency perspective of actually pushing back, which I know we do. We have started to be much more robust in. But do you think as part of by pushing back, you're actually reducing your chance of winning the work almost because there be say there's four agents in the mm. mix. One pushes back and asks, asks challenging questions of the brief. Yeah. Three just accept the brief and do a proposal off the back of it. So do we? So I would say, from our experience, yeah. that if we don't push back, eight or nine times out of ten, we'll if we're successful in the RFP or the pitch and we do the project. Mm-hmm. Once the project's complete, we'll analyse the amount of time that we've spent on the project. Yeah. And yeah, there's always a little bit of flex that you build in for onboarding or for kind of getting to know the problem more closely but we'll end up running it at a loss Mm -hmm. and not making any money and for me there's always there's always an alarm bell that goes off if a client is not prepared to engage you with difficult in difficult questions Mm -hmm. you know they're expecting the best of us they're expecting our experience our knowledge our kind of intellect but they're expecting us to do it without questioning what they want to do. And it comes back to that thing of, you know, maybe they'll say what they want. You know, every brief says, I want to do this, I want to do that. Yeah. Very rarely do you get one that's intelligent that says, I need to do this or I need to achieve this. Yeah. And that pushback, for me, is one of those qualifying things of if you're not getting the responses... Yeah or you're getting partial responses or you're asking very simple questions and they can't be bothered to yep. respond, you've got to look at that and take a you know a collective decision of 
are they serious? I think that, again, it's lead qualification. Again, it's from both sides. The quality of the brief, I think we've done that in a previous podcast, the importance of that. So, But sometimes you can still get a pretty robust brief from a client, but then you know, they accept questions in a certain window and you ask them, but I just don't think you always get the answers to because some of them are too hard for them to turn it around in the window that they've allowed. And therefore you end up pitching with missing information. But then that shows really poor preparation. Hmm. In my mind, it shows that they're not invested in the process. Yeah. You know, we could wax lyrical for hours about truncated pitch processing mm. and I'm sure at some point we will yeah. but it does feel that if they're not prepared to invest that time and they suddenly you know I don't you know think put a two week deadline on a RFP that's been prepared for six weeks yeah. and they're not answering questions to the in the totality how serious are they? Yeah. yeah. And that's got to be form, part, forming part of our qualification. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I think separates us from uh, some other agencies as well from the point of view of we do want to we don't want to just respond to the brief we want to really understand why we're doing something and how best to achieve those objectives therefore we do need the engagement from from the client and we need to understand why that budget set we need to understand what their objectives are we need a lot of information answered in that brief in order to give what we feel is the adequate response we're not doing ourselves justice and I think you know people come to agencies for the best response they can. They come to an agency because they want something they can't achieve themselves. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I would never go into any situation wanting or, you know, stifling someone and wanting them to fail or not giving them as much information and help yeah. to deliver the best solution to me. And I find it quite weird that sometimes that's what we're... It, it feels like that sometimes, definitely. Yeah. It really does. Um, I, don't know, I don't want to play the pity card, but it does. You're right. It's kind of like, what's that about? What's the rationale? Is that because... They're unsure about what they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Are they under pressure to try and generate value from the agency? And yeah. does value mean getting a lot of things for a smaller price? Do you think it ties back because because here at VDB we are integrated in the sense of we think bigger picture all the time rather than, you know, a client could say, I want a website, I've got £25,000. Again, just making up numbers and scenarios. Is, is that... Because we just don't think about that website in isolation, we'll be thinking about, well, look, does the brand work? Does mm-hmm. the composition work? What's the messaging? What's well, the straight away, just as an easy uh, extra to that, that's like, okay, great website. Do you need that content writing too? And yeah. often that they've not thought about that or yeah. that's an extra to their cost. And then it's like, how are you preparing the SEO for, for that new site? Do you have people in-house to it? Do you have another agency? Do you want our support on that too? Yeah. And these things, because I guess because when we are integrated, we start thinking about everything else. As, you'd hope, as you'd hope they do. Yeah, but, but I think, I think at the client side, quite often they do look at things but in that's very much in really isolation. That's, everything you've just mentioned is really important. Yeah. And mm. that's just one little microcosm oh. Hello. of the um, digital world. It's not even touching on the brand, the proposition, the messaging, the comm strategy, the tone of voice, the aesthetics. It's literally, yeah. here are all these other things around the website and people are like, oh, mm. Yeah, because the second we have a website, it's like, great, how do we get people to it now? How do you <laughs> want to engage with people? How do we convert What's, people when they've arrived? How do you then sell to those people? But it, does it therefore depend about? on who you're selling to as well? I'm just trying to unpick this because, because in the sense of if you've got somebody client side who is their web lead in this case and their responsibility is delivering that website and that's it and you've got a digital team who are going to lead in all the amplification or pushing traffic to it or you've got a content team who are going to put about the content you do get this quite siloed kind of groups if you're dealing with that that web lead at the client side of things and that's their sole project to get that done 
Is that part of the problem, do you think? That maybe you're not dealing with people who I are think, thinking about it across the I think the we talked about it, didn't we, a while ago about the power of integration and how important it is. And I think it is. I think you, the moment you have people running unilateral projects within a business, mm-hmm. yep. you know, you lose a continuity of experience and touch points. So, yeah, the guys doing the amplification are doing whatever they're doing and they're probably doing it really, really well. But has that got any correlation to the destination site yeah and then when they get to that destination site has that got any correlation to the after site experience and the yeah. nurturing and any abm or I think marketing that, automation that's in play yeah i think that i'm struggling a bit at the minute with the whole tiered approach of the gold silver bronze strategy which is why i'm, pre- why I'm pressing on it in the sense of that approach is cool but if you've not got a clear expectation of why gold's better than bronze other than more yeah. so it's not like more content so if it's, if it's a content plan of some kind <coughs> And bronze delivers this level of content and gold has a bit more in it or it goes for a longer period or at a crude yeah. sense, whatever it yeah. does. But that still doesn't say how much more traffic it's going to generate, yeah. how many more leads it's going to generate, how much more awareness it's going yeah. to generate. I mean, from the point of view of that, if you're looking at gold and gold's going to be running two or three campaigns instead mm. of one, that should all be driving their own traffic and their own yeah. um, leads, then, then why aren't you just going straight in gold? What's the value of doing the bronze? And then because gold the, can't... Exactly where my mind goes, so you go like, okay, so... But you can't sell, you know, a silver or a bronze level of campaign can't be of any less quality than a gold, no. can it? So... But it can be, I suppose, is a smaller scope. It can be smaller scope, but so the actual of, quality of what you... The yeah. written word, the content, the thinking... We're not saying we'll design at the bronze level. We'll design you your getting, picture, but it won't be great. And at the gold level, we'll design you a really nice picture. <laughs> and we'll colour it in as well for you. <laughs> yeah. But then you, we, we've encountered this a lot. And then I think the only way you can do it is almost flip it on its head and say that, you know, that base budget, that's got to be the, can you achieve? And again, it comes back to, have you been given any clear metrics or clear goals? Mm. Can we achieve for... That let's pick 50k out because yeah. you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Can we achieve what you want for 50k? And it's going to be quite simply a yes no answer. And then it has to become a sliding scale, doesn't it? Of okay, if it's a no, at what point on that little journey up to 100k do we hit the tipping point of we think this amount of money will answer and do, the base level? Do you, and do you think I agree with that? But do, do you think we, do you think you can be that prescriptive? I know you can now with AI and predictive analytics in terms of how campaigns will perform and so on, but do you think you can be as sophisticated to go 73K is the minimum you need to spend there to get that that, that result? Let's be being honest. I mean, do you think, can you do that? Or is it more of a gut feel? Is it I think it's art and science. I think it's a blend. You've, d- you've done those kind of campaigns before. You know what type of level yeah, of spend required to achieve that. based on best practice, what you've seen results-wise. Uh, and yeah, you're just going to have to start it and then flex with it from We've there. We've got tons but... of other variables in there. You've got how much, satur- how much is the market saturated? You know, is there a lot going on? Yeah. Is, is there a lot of active competition? Is there no competition? Yeah. Is it a new market you're in? You yeah. Know, there are lots of like different variables you have to play in there, but to be actually presented with just, I want a 50K, 75, 100K, 150K solution. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. Can't do it. Or you, you can, sorry, can't do it is wrong. Yeah. But you can do it, but you can't guarantee delivery against that. You've got to kind of be more scientific. Yeah, I, th- I've, yeah, I just think you can only have those tiers if you're very clear on what the, what the 
what the what is the benefit the benefit of spending that extra fifty k other than more? That's what we because at the minute I think a lot of agencies would tend to yeah we guess we can deliver at hundred k yes we can deliver at fifty and you'll get more things more items more but will those more, more things content. translate into more leads? And I think that's the question that the the buyer has got to ask themselves if they've got a brief out there. There's a phrase I've heard many times. It's like less money, think harder. Hmm. And you know if you are presented with a smaller budget, yeah. You've got to think a lot harder to make that work. For it forces you to be more creative with it. Time, it does. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it forces you to actually hold your hands up and say, "I'm sorry, there's no way." You know, I don't know if you given fifty k and said, "I want to attack three, four, five different global markets yeah. in the next six months." You just have to hold your hands up and go, "Look, just purely through the cost of paid advertising, that's impractical." Yeah. That's one of my. That's I, your media budget. Yeah, yeah. that's well, one of my biggest bugbears. Yeah. Is that we we do see that quite a lot of clients sort of saying like. We want to, we've got a new product launch, let's say. Um, we want a campaign, uh, let's say it's a LinkedIn campaign to support that. We've got landing pages already. We've got all these materials for it. We want people to be able to download it. Great. What's your audience? It's this industry globally. Oh, and what's your budget? 10K. It's like, so you've got an audience here <laughs> of 200,000 people. Yeah. And an average cost per click is like five pounds. Yeah. So how far do you think that 10K is really going to go? If yeah. you think about the fact any of us browsing LinkedIn or whatever else it may be, do we always click the first ad we see? Mm-hmm. Is it the second ad, the third ad? I know there's examples where I've personally experienced it and I, I finally picked up on a platform that's been advertising to me after the like something like the 10th or 15th time I've seen the advert where I've finally gone, what is this? So yeah. if we think about that and if, if that holds true to some extent for our, um, our campaigns and client campaigns, then it's not enough to be able to go like, oh, we've reached uh, 10% of the audience once. Yep. They need to be thinking about the frequency and, and exposure. And of the then you're into integration, too. and I guess sometimes we're victims of thinking beyond that one brief. If you know, Projects are great, but projects can only get you so far. Well, I was going to say, do you think the fixed budget mindset is more project problematic than campaign-led? Because I guess if a client comes to us and says, so. my budget for the year is... Half a million, again, just picking numbers out there, so they're not the same ones, but a half a million pound budget to spend with you guys this year. Here's the objectives we want to achieve. Shaking up account, 12-month campaign that's going to run and run and make sure we achieve those metrics. That seems easier to work with than I've got a spiky it, project here that I've got a product launch that... I think it's more realistic, isn't it? Because we all know that, you know, it takes time to nurture, it takes time to get people through the kind of sales timeline. They're not going to be with you 100% mm-hmm. of the time. So just having that sort of open-endedness of over 12 a 12 month period we need to achieve we need to get from a to b yeah is a lot more practical than saying you know i've got a campaign i've got enough to do a little burst of activity it's probably going to last four weeks i still want to get from a to b with the same amount of people and create the same amount of interest you just can't do it there needs to be this gestation over time Mm -hmm. and that's just simple human psychology yeah I also suspect that quite often, it'd be interesting to hear what you guys think. I feel like the budgets are sometimes set quite far in advance and quite arbitrarily. It's yeah. like, oh, we've got uh, two product launches this year, so let's just say 50K of our budget's going to each of those. We've got 300K, let's use that over here. And then when it comes down to it at the time, it's like, okay, we've got 50K for product A, how do we use it? And there's no rhyme or reason to how that 50k was made up. So mm-hmm. it's a case of let's just see what we need. Okay, we need white papers, we need brochures, we need. And again, it's somewhat arbitrary what, what's that being comes picked. Down to the, the, almost the budgeting process internally than at companies in the sense of when they are setting those budgets, rather than saying we spent half a million last year, therefore we'll spend half a million next year, or quite often the case, obviously, the marketing budgets are under more pressure, so generally been reduced. 
when they're carving that amongst activity of product launch here, A, B, C, whatever it may be, amongst other activities, is that, is that the problem? That they're not actually being granular enough in their own planning of going, that's our product launch, we also want to sell X number of those, therefore we'll need to have this many leads. I think it depends on, a lot of it depends on the organisation, the structure, the size. So you talked earlier about, is there a problem with you know individual departments mm. taking on different parts of the marketing yep. activity? Equally, you know, a lot of the organisations that we see have got divisions that have got project managers yep. who are essentially their own fiefdoms. Yes. Yeah. So you'll have one product manager running, having one little piece of the marketing pie. Yeah. That's his budget. Then there's that budget over there, and there's no continuity between them all. We see that in a lot of clients, don't we, with different verticals, and they all own their own budgets, and they're all in control of their own budgets, yet the marketing strategies almost set, set elsewhere like and doesn't necessarily almost. correlate. No. So I think there is a... There's a disconnect there, and I think that probably will sort of have a knock-on effect on the way that budgets are kind of for, formed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from the top, they're going to be, you know, I don't know. We've got 20 divisions, and we've got 2 million quid, mm-hmm. and they're all generating the same amount of revenue, £100,000, yep. 100000 each, yeah. off you go. And there's no science to that in terms of it might be that one division only requires a little bit of kind of pastoral care. Yeah. It's t- ticking along quite nicely. They're saturated. There's no need for growth. There's no competition. Yeah. Why don't we take that and go to a market that's under pressure and, you yeah. know, be a little bit more bit savvy more about how it's divided. How it's yeah. Applied, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rather than blanket, well, I, would, I need that for that. And well, we saw that, that with the client we did the, with the session for last year, didn't we? In the sense of... Um, did sort of an isolated project for the client, which was fine, but they had that exact same issue in a way, didn't they, of having so many different global divisions and global marketing managers, I think was the phrase, the phrase they'd use. But they had complete autonomy over their own budgets, didn't they, if you yeah. remember rightly? And then they were trying to set down central themes and central activities, central flows. But then it got so central. So the answer to, their answer was to centralise everything and syndicate it out, wasn't it? Yeah, and I don't think that's happened either. <laughs> but even if it does happen, it doesn't work because yeah. it's syndicated out from a single source. Yeah. And if that single source is anywhere in the world you can guarantee that another country in the world is going to say that's not going to work in my territory yeah absolutely and then you think well how do you get these people to think together how do you get them to think well okay they split the budget up Mm -hmm. and country a has done i don't know a really good job on some i don't know social interaction campaigns and they hold it yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then you think well actually country b could have worked with that but because every country's got its own individual marketing stream its own agency and its own this that and the other yeah i'm getting onto the global integration thing you've lost an economy of scale there that could have given you so much bang for your buck across every territory so i guess everything we've touched on so far is about when you've been given a budget what about the flip side when you get the briefing or the rfp without a budget and then we get on that we do the lead qualification kind of things we'll put a call in we'll say okay you want to do this activity What's your budget? And quite often, I think I think this depends quite largely dependent whether they are a large multinational global business or maybe an SME type environment. But mm-hmm. SMEs are always very reluctant to say I've got fifty k. They mm-hmm. they they'd, they'd rather say, well, you tell me what I need. Yeah. And that's literally I always come back to it. I probably said it before. Well, how how fast is the car you want to drive? You know, like so yeah. you can have the you can have a, a Fiesta, whatever, or you can have a Ferrari. And it depends what you're after, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, but when you haven't when you aren't given that budget. Do you think, does that set alarm bells ringing for you guys? Or think, do you think, okay, they just want to know what they need to spend? I think I get, I guess my 
previous stance was that I'd rather have a budget so you know that you're not going to go crazy on it. Mm -hmm. But now I think I'd rather just know the solution uh, that they're looking for, the yeah. outcome that they're looking yeah, yeah. for, okay. and build what you think is required towards that. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I mean, that's then you can start collaborating. I think we all know that the first thing we propose is rarely the final thing that gets delivered from the point of view yeah. of no. you propose something, you're working a bit more in isolation than before you've been selected to work with, with yeah. a client. So when you do start working together, there's always going to be places where you need to revise it, you need to refine it once you've immersed yourself and you know more. So what we propose is always going to change. So I think working with um, a bit more of a, an unknown budget gives us that freedom to propose what we think is needed instead of trying to adhere to a budget. Mm -hmm. And then if, it, if they do have a limited budget, um, then we can look at scaling things back so, so let's say for example at a simple end lowering ad spend mm -hmm. it does mean they'll get less results but it means that we're not trying to shove everything into into what can quite frankly be at times a very very limiting budget i think that's where we have to be clever isn't it and that's almost where i think we're getting better this is adding putting something tangible against the budget so every client's going oh what am i going to get for that so if you do say okay if we've Put a number in. Let's say we put a hundred grand in, and the client had fifty grand in their head. Yeah. We go well with that hundred k in our proposal. Here is what we expect to get as an outcome. Now, yeah. if you're happy to half that, mm -hmm. then so be it. But yeah. you will be losing elements along yeah. the way. But I think Absolutely. what I like about that is that conversation about trying to meet the client's budget in that case happens after you've built a relationship and it's it's a collaborative thing to work towards that budget yeah. like you say you can have a conversation and say we can meet that budget but we'll need to lose this as opposed to trying to present all that information up front and trying like i say it feels like you're trying to put too many mm. things into a smaller basket well i always try i, I suppose it's i always see it as an opportunity to qualify again yeah so there have been plenty of instances where we've been sat in front of the client and they've said well i really want to do this and i think i want to do that and i want to do that and one of us has said well, okay so what's what sort of budget you got in mind well, i don't have a budget in mind and we'll look and we'll usually we'll sort of in line with this and we'll say we'll pick a number that we know is around about right and we'll throw it out there and you can tell immediately if you're <laughs> down bang on you can normally tell if you're way over yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it gives you at least gives you that qualification that you can then walk away from that initial meeting and say do we believe we want to continue this or well, realistically we're not going to be for everybody just as every, you know every company out there isn't a perfect match yeah. for all of them at a target audience so yeah from that point of view i think you have to take the stance of if you're if you're way out and you have drastically different expectations then it's probably better that you don't work together mm. i suppose it's, as well you know like People know when they engage with a specific agency the type of service and the type of mm -hmm. quality or level that they can expect. So we're very lucky in our clients and our prospects. It doesn't come as a surprise when we put our proposals in front of them yeah. because they're buying into a very certain type of thing. And I think as long as they're aware of that, then it helps and it makes it easier to kind of have those conversations. Sounds good. Good robust conversation around budgets, one of my favourites. Yes. Loved it. Uh, okay, great. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for the hints and tips there. Hopefully, uh, any listeners or viewers find that useful. Um, feel free to check us out on www.b2bknowledge.com to check out our free, ungated online content hub, uh, helping our clients, prospects, and contacts navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. Uh, thanks very much, guys, and see you next week. Thanks. Cheers.